The exit interviews continue here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Today, it's going to be a fun one. One of the few bright spots from a season that was otherwise pretty down for the Orange. We're going to talk about Jesse Edwards. Just how significant was the leap that he made from his sophomore and freshman season all the way to becoming one of the best players on this team and one of the best centers in the entire conference? How much did the injury down the stretch kind of hamper him in maybe some awards consideration as well. We'll get into all of that and what his future looks like. What's the next step for Jesse Edwards? That is coming up on today's Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. It's a fresh week for you here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Rocky with Tim Leonard. We thank you for making us your first listen every single weekday. We're with you Monday through Friday and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. We're on YouTube. So subscribe to the show there, Locked on Syracuse and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Today's episode of Locked on Syracuse is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way the, you, that you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Well, I just look at this NCAA tournament going on, Tim, and I've got this pit in my stomach. I mean, how many good games have we seen? And if Syracuse was in this tournament, and the ACC has shown up for this tournament. And it well, has, yeah. Shout out the ACC. If Syracuse was in this tournament, I think they'd be in the Sweet 16. Well, I yeah, really, they, they'd be like Notre it, Dame, right? Right. It's just the way that it goes and... Uh, something tells me they would have been in the sweet 16 right now. And we'd be previewing a sweet 16 matchup against like Purdue or something like that right now. Well, I feel like the Michigan run has been pretty similar to a typical Syracuse run Same or the thing. run they made last mm -hmm. year. Cause yeah, we talked about this offline, but the six 11 matchup Michigan was in against Colorado state felt a lot like San Diego state Syracuse last year. Yep. And then they go on, they built some momentum. West Virginia was for Syracuse. Tennessee was for Michigan this year. It is amazing, too, how I didn't think Michigan probably deserved to be in the tournament. I didn't think Notre Dame even maybe had the strongest case. And it feels like anytime the committee has a team that they get hate for, and Syracuse has been in that position a lot where, oh, why is Syracuse not in the first four? How, how did they give Syracuse a 10 seed? Then they go to the final four. And it, it's always like the committee gets proven right in the long run. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into Jesse Edwards today because this is a guy who can hopefully bring Syracuse to their next NCAA tournament. When you look at Edwards and the specs from his season in 2022, I mean, I don't think anybody, I think everyone projected he would take a leap but I don't think they expected him to take the leap that he did to the degree that he did. He upped his points per game by 10. He upped his rebounds per game by about four. I mean, the numbers that this kid put up this season, 12 and six and a half. And I believe throughout the year, there were only four games. He did not score in double figures. And for that to be the case with Jesse Edwards, for him to show that he was an offensive based center blew everyone away, shattered everyone's expectations and it's certainly one of the reasons why there may be fans out there feeling more optimistic for next season. Yeah, it was a leap about as good as you could have anticipated. And I think a lot of people definitely targeted him as a guy that was going to break out this year, but he did it a lot quicker than I thought. Going back to the battle for Atlantis, it just sort of hit us all. And we were like, whoa, we, we've actually got a center for, for the first time in a while that can actually 
catch a pick and roll as the roller finish. He can be an offensive option for you. I wonder now, I do think there's still a lot of untapped potential offensively for him. And also my big question is how does his game change next year? Does he become a guy that you can throw the ball down to in the post and if he draws a double team, he can make the right read. He can make a pass. He can get to his post moves and not be be more of a score on his own because I do think a lot of what he did this year was him existing in an offense where there's a lot of good shooters around him and him being put in good yeah. spots to score the basketball. And we don't know exactly what the roster is going to be next year. We don't know if a guy like Cole Swider is going to come back. But if you lose Cole Swider, if you lose Jimmy, if you lose Buddy, that's three of your top four shooters from last year gone. They'll add some guys too, like a Taylor who can really shoot it. But it might be a little bit tougher for him to get as many good looks as he got last year. Right. You think about how many times he was just left all alone down the middle of the lane. I mean, how many times did he have a wide open dunk off of a roll, a wide open layup off of a roll? It was because of the spacing that he got. I mean, he probably felt like he was playing in the NBA, which without how much space there was on the interior. And then he just had to win one-on-one matchups at times. And to his credit, he won those one-on-one matchups yep. a lot. That was a big step that he took. His ability to finish at the rim. I mean, you remember his freshman and sophomore seasons when he would get in there. He had no touch, no finesse around the rim. It was lasers being deposited right at the basket every single time out there. And then this year, he shoots 70%. And a lot of that is because of the fact that he has a refined game. He has improved that footwork. I was very critical of his footwork his first two seasons, but... Credit to him, credit to the coaching staff for getting him right in that regard because it's night and day what he's brought to the table from that standpoint. He looks like a totally different player in the post, and it's refreshing to see this offensive-minded guy at the five for Syracuse. They've been criticized a lot and maybe haven't gotten some recruits in the past because of what the center position has done offensively. They're not a focal point of this offense, but... I wonder if that changes moving forward. Maybe we do see Syracuse get a top 50, top 25 caliber big man because of what Jesse Edwards has done in this offense and the way that he's sort of changed how we look at the center position at Syracuse. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see if they actually do use man-to-man next year, how he looks in a man-to-man role. But I do think his defense improved as well. But sticking with the offense, it does feel like he has a lot of, untapped potential still that he hasn't reached that's the exciting thing is the guy made such a big leap from I guess what was his sophomore to junior season and he now still has time to grow into an even better player maybe an all ACC player like there's still a seismic leap that could be made this upcoming year and I think he could make it I think he's just a case of a late bloomer basically where he didn't start playing basketball till he was I think 14 or 15. Right. And a lot of the fouls he was making when he first came to Syracuse was him just not understanding that I have three fouls and I can't do these little things and get away with it here at this level. Like I have to be smarter. And I think an underrated storyline was that he sort of fixed the foul trouble issues a little bit. I'm not saying it was spotless, but it became less of a storyline than maybe some of the years where we had the Sidibe prop of over under four and a half. And it feels like, that has become a thing that every center in the Syracuse two, three zone has struggled with. You look at on Ken Palm fouls called per 40 minutes last year, 7.5 
per 40 this year, 5.3 per 40. And I feel like we'd have to dig into it some more, but ACC play and the further we got into the season, the better he got at not getting into foul trouble. So here's a little stat that sort of backs up with what you're saying here. There was a stretch. So it was Cornell and then leading into the first four games in the ACC. So five games, he fouled out five games in a row, mm-hmm. five games in a row. Down the stretch after that, he only fouled out in two. Now, that doesn't wow. mean he didn't battle foul trouble along the way, and he did foul out in that final game against BC when he sustained the wrist injury. So you wonder uh, how much did maybe that play a factor, and he was trying yeah, that to was compensate in 13 for things. Minutes. That was yeah, that was, in 13, that was a weird game. It was a yeah. weird game for him. You could tell something was clearly off, and then lo and behold, we find out he he's out for the rest of the season with a wrist injury. But I look at... Jesse Edwards, another thing that you brought up there is the late bloomer part. He didn't start playing basketball until his teen years. And let's not forget, this was a guy who was deprived of a couple of off seasons, especially a big developmental one going from his freshman to sophomore year where he couldn't get back into the United States right away when he was in Amsterdam. He had to stay over there because of the the travel bans that were in place because of COVID. And that's something that I think hurt him leading into his sophomore year. And obviously he didn't play a ton as a true freshman, but just getting a normal off season, I think that probably played a huge role in his ability to take the leap that he did. And, and that's certainly something where he's going to hopefully is once the injury is healed, he's going to have a normal or normal ish off season, as long as he's not out for an extended period of time due to health. And we don't know really what the status of what that would all look like, but that to me is another interesting wrinkle to the whole Jesse Edwards and what he looks like in 2023 story is he's going to have really just his second true off season of being a Syracuse basketball player. And he's going into his senior year. And that's a big factor for why he there's optimism that he can even take a bigger step heading into next season. Yeah. I always like the late bloomers in any sport. I feel like if anyone played a sport growing up, there's always one or two guys that you competed against that they were way better than everyone else at an early age. And in a lot of those scenarios, they plateau. And then the late bloomer guy ends up sort of overlapping them or or getting even better than them. And it's actually probably better to have the guy that, you know, when he's 21, 22, like Jesse Edwards is, He's actually sort of in the 14, 15 range in terms of how much he's been playing basketball. Because if you think about it, when you played a sport growing up, no matter what sport it was, you probably learned and grew as much as a player in that 14 to 15 range if you played from six to seven years old. And that's kind of what Jesse Edwards is in. So even Benny Williams, to a lesser extent, because he has all of a sudden transformed into a different position with that big growth spurt and he's learning how to play a different style of game i always like when you have guys like that especially from like an nba perspective i think it's better to go after guys that are late bloomers now he did miss the final nine games of the season and a lot of syracuse fans are asking what if i want to get into how the season may have looked different if we had jesse edwards as a syracuse player for the final nine games We'll do that in just a little bit and also answer how is he going to help Syracuse make the NCAA tournament next season. But, hey, do you have St. Peter's going anywhere in your bracket? Me, <laughs> I did neither not. Because 
they have been the absolute story of the tournament so far, but I still got some cash for my stat hero pick them. If you haven't checked it out, you have to find this new platform because you are really missing out on it. Stat heroes, NCAA single game pick them's pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. It's time to take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. And boy, there are a lot of big spreads that did not get the job done this past weekend. (laughs) They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose from it's the fastest and easiest way to get your sports action fix in the simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes and this is exactly what daily fantasy was meant to be so sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100 deposit match that's stathero.com slash locked on use promo code locked on for a 100 deposit match stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply also, it is that time of year now where it seems like you're probably starting to think about giving up on your New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I am sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Bill Bar. This is as far as I've ever made it into a New Year's resolution. Very proud of myself. And the key is it doesn't really feel like a resolution because I actually enjoy eating the Bilt Bars. And if you have not tried the Bilt Bar Puffs by now, I don't know what you're waiting on. You are truly missing out. The Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallowy goodness. They are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're somehow good for you. I don't really get how the health lines up, but I trust the Built Bar statistics. They Most of these bars have about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, yet they somehow taste like a candy bar. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, Get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15, all one word for 15% off over at Built.com. Diving into the injury for Jesse Edwards, because this felt like it was the pin in the balloon that just kind of all the air came out of this team down the stretch. They were playing some really, really good basketball. They were they'd won their last four games prior to the Jesse Edwards injury. And then you go into Virginia tech without one of your best big men in a, against a Virginia tech team where big men can thrive. And we even saw Frank Anselm show something on the boards. He had one of his best rebounding efforts of his career, but Syracuse goes three and six in the nine games without Jesse Edwards, including that loss in the ACC tournament. And a lot of it has people asking, what if, what would this Syracuse season have looked like with Jesse Edwards in there? It's tough to say their NCAA tournament outlook changes that much, but are they a three and six team? I don't think so. I think you probably win that game against North Carolina. You probably beat Miami and who knows, maybe you beat Notre Dame. And we talked about that final four games being such a critical stretch for this team could have been maybe three and one with Jesse Edwards, as opposed to the and four that it ended up being. Yeah. I mean, I do think, look, it was a very frustrating loss and it definitely hurt Syracuse's chances but at the end of the day this team went 16 and 17 this team didn't even have an NIT invitation if they wanted it so it would have taken probably still a, a significant run in the ACC tournament on top of winning some of those games like you laid out that they probably could have had a better shot of winning they definitely would not have finished three and six I don't know if they would have finished you they know, would have been above 500 three, for the season, for sure. 
Yeah. Uh, like the, the Jim Beheim streak would be intact with Jesse Edwards. I think we can both say that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think you look at a game like UNC in overtime, you look at a game like Notre Dame, but here's the thing. Syracuse did lose some close games without Jesse. They also lost a lot of close games with Jesse Edwards throughout the season. So at some point, the DNA, this team, it just didn't work. And it was going to just not be a tournament team regardless. Jim Beheim has brought up how Jesse Edwards, they were on a run. They lose Jesse. And that was a really big factor for sure. It hurt them. I don't think it changed the complexion to the point that we can sit here and go, oh, well, that was a season that you put an asterisk on because, you know, Jesse Edwards was out, and if we had Jesse, we would have made the tournament. Almost the way that some fans like to point back to the COVID year and say, you know, we actually probably would have made the tournament that year because we were playing really good in the ACC tournament. May have been the case, but also based on the body of work, based on the entire season, I don't think it's fair to say that you put an asterisk on the season. It was a bad season that got even worse once Jesse Edwards left, but it's not like it took away a great or a good season. I can buy the, that Syracuse team. I'm trying to remember what year it was now, but when Arinze Onowaku was Mm -hmm. done for the season with an injury. Yeah, it's a different story. It's different. Like, because you're in the tournament. All right. Like I'm, I'm there, I'm there for that. I can, I can get behind that. That's a tournament team that had a chance of going to the final four. But when you're talking about a team that's, on the fringe of the NIT, like you don't get a lot of pity points from me in that regard, because at the end of the day, the NIT is a, a pretty deflating feeling as right. a postseason consolation. If you're a program like Syracuse, it's not like you're a team that the NIT is actually some, something to work for. No, the NIT is kind of a slap in the face. If you're a program like Syracuse, I think too, with Jesse, in terms of a how much did it maybe hamper his development by missing these final nine games, I'm not too worried from it from that standpoint. I know some people may say, oh, like this is going to hurt him moving forward. But I would say I saw what I needed to see out of Jesse Edwards this season. I saw a guy who improved significantly. And obviously, would I want to have him out there in those final nine games? Yeah, in a perfect world, he's out there in those final nine games and gets even better. But I don't think missing those nine games is going to hurt his development as much as maybe Benny Williams not seeing those final handful of games. And I don't think it's going to kill Benny Williams' development, but you wanted to at least see something more from Benny Williams because he had just had that fantastic Duke game, and then he gets injured against UNC and can't go out there and, and play for the rest of the season. I saw what I needed to see out of Jesse Edwards, and those final nine games we're not going to influence how I feel about Jesse Edwards heading into next season one way or another. I remember right after the injury happened, someone called in the, to the Jim Beheim show and asked him, can Jesse still work out? What's his status on sort of gaining weight for the off season, which was a very good question. And Beheim basically said, I don't think that'll impact that too much. It might even help him because he's not running up and down the court too much and he can just focus on that. Well, he can't actually be shooting the basketball and doing little things around basketball. So that's a big key for him next year is putting on weight, becoming more of a presence down low and also just him becoming more of a leader and becoming more vocal in the back of the zone. And I don't think a little, I shouldn't say little, I mean, I don't want to minimize the injury, but it's a wrist injury. It's not like he, tore his ACL and he could come back and just be a little more timid on the court. I don't think it's going to factor into his mindset too much when he gets back out there. 
Right. All right. We'll got, dive into what Jesse Edwards needs to improve on, because as good as he was, there is still some spots that he can take an even further leap on. And can he be an all ACC guy next season for this team? We'll get into all of that and how he can help Syracuse make the NCAA tournament. But hey, it's that time of year as college basketball's tournament is here and it's off and it's running and it has been fantastic so far through the first weekend from all the latest odds contests and player props betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino games as well so head on over to the website today or use your phone to learn more about the trends and action Bet online where the game starts. The big question with Jesse Edwards is what's next for him? Because some Syracuse fans are probably content with what they've seen out of Jesse Edwards to this point. And if Jesse Edwards just replicates next season, I think Syracuse fans, I mean, I think that's fine. But there is still a next gear for him to take. And one of the big things that I look at with Jesse Edwards is I want to see the rebounding be a little bit stronger. He was good on the offensive end, but a lot of that can be attributed to some of the tip shots that he gets back. But I do want to see what he can do from a defensive side. And I get part of that. And maybe the rebounding numbers aren't as good and flowery because he plays in a zone defense. But there are times where we saw the ball ripped away from him, where we just saw him get bullied by some of these bigger guys in the ACC. And that's the next step for me is, can he get stronger rebounding the basketball on the defensive side? And then can he maybe branch out his offensive game to include a 15-footer or a free-throw line jumper, something of that nature, that'll help pull this team out and maybe even get you some lineups where you can have both Frank Anselm and Jesse Edwards on the floor? Yeah, I mean, look, the rebounding numbers aren't going to ever get to a point where because of the 2-3 zone, he's a leading rebounder. He's putting up Armando Baycott-like numbers. We understand that, but also Cole Swider shouldn't be out-rebounding him in a similar type of role. And it's just the mindset that we're asking, I think. The nature of him going for boards, not getting scored on, not getting shot over not getting out rebounded or out jumped or out toughness to get to a board because Syracuse has had a finesse team for two or three years now compared to a physical team. And that's fine. It's led to a lot mm -hmm. of really good offensive performances and they've won a lot of games because they have some finesse to them, but also every great Syracuse team is pretty much led by defense and every great Syracuse defense is led by toughness and physicality. And I would say that the anchor position is the most important position to have that physicality and toughness in that edge that they've sort of been missing. Syracuse teams sort of take on the identity of who's at that anchor spot. Yeah. Like you think back, you look a couple years ago with, with Marek Dolajai. Those were some tough, gritty teams. And that anchor spot really sort of sets the tone for what the team's makeup is and, and and what they bring from a night-in and night-out basis. And Jesse Edwards, this season, I think, was certainly more offensive-minded. Not that he was terrible defensively. He was still a good defender for the Syracuse team. Was asked to do a lot as well for this Syracuse defense. But I think, too, with Jesse, he needs to have a little more nasty to him. And we've yeah. talked about this throughout the season. I mean, spending a summer with Derek Coleman, I think, would do wonders. And I'm not saying he has to go <laughs> right. out there and be – ripping guys to the ground and old big east them to death but i, I just i 
would want Cassie Edwards. I think that would work wonders for what he could bring to the table. I don't want to use the word enforcer on that back line, but I guess more of a leader on that back line. I think it would really set the tone and bring some toughness that certainly needs heading into next year. Yeah, it feels like it's sort of tough because it's against his personality. I don't know him, obviously, but he just seems like a nice guy that is not, I wouldn't say shy, but he just doesn't strike me. You would want him as your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as derek coleman type of personality of give me the ball i'm gonna score on these mfers and then i'm gonna yeah. block them and it's all you know confidence stemming from him like he's just hasn't been playing basketball that long he hasn't been in a role until this season at syracuse where he's been a guy so maybe the optimistic way of looking at this is he comes back after an offseason. We'll see what the rest of the center situation is next year, whether a guy like Frank Anselm comes back. But he's the guy next year. Yeah. And he's earned the starting spot. And he's going to have some talk of, can he get to an all-ACC level? So by getting that sort of feedback and getting a little bit more confidence elsewhere, maybe he will have more confidence internally. And then all of a sudden, we'll see a guy that's playing with a little bit more of that confidence. Not that he doesn't play with confidence, but just more of an edge, more of an attitude, more of a leadership type of role to him. Cause he is a leader of next year's team, regardless mm-hmm. of really what happens here in the off season, who they add, who they lose. Jesse is one of the best players coming back and he's one of the keys to next year's team. So that's a new role for him. I would say this about Jesse Edwards too. Now that I think about it, he's the only guy where you know exactly where he is going to be slotted in next year. He's the only guy on the roster. Like Joe Girard is going to be a starter. Yes. Next year, but is it going to be at the one? Is it going to be at the two? Amir Torrance, is he going to be a starter? Benny Williams, is he going to be a starter? Cole Swider, is he going to be back too? I mean, you talk about some of the guys that are coming back and, and not coming back for this team. Jesse Edwards is really the only guy that you know exactly where he's going to fit in to this puzzle for next season. He's going to be the starting center for this Syracuse basketball team. So, one thing that I was starting to think about as I was watching a little bit of Michigan throughout their NCAA tournament run over the weekend, they run out there and they start two big guys with Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate. And it got me thinking, can Syracuse sort of find that mold or are they sort of stuck in what Purdue has where they cannot have two of those bigs on the floor at the same time? And this is a question that was brought to us a lot over, especially towards the end of the season. Could we see lineups with both Jesse and Frank out there on the floor? Both you and I said no at the time. And I think given where they are right now, the answer is still no. But is there a way that Jesse Edwards can improve to the point where maybe you can put Frank Anselm on the floor? And both you and I, I think, sort of agreed. If he can stretch out and become a, a, not like a a knockdown jump shooter, but if he can develop a 15 footer, that's the only way you could probably do it. And Hunter Dickinson, that's the reason why they can do it is because he can step out to the free throw line, the three point line and take some of those shots. I still, even if Jesse does, I don't think either one of them are good enough facilitators to make it work. And I don't think it's really something worth experimenting with either. Yeah. I honestly, I definitely think in a perfect world, if he added a jumper, it would make Syracuse a whole lot better. 
I also just feel like he needs to add more post moves. He needs to add more toughness on yeah. defense. He I'd rather him more... focus his attention there as yeah, opposed exactly. to developing a it's, jumper. It's like, it'd be nice, but it's probably priority number four or five for next season. And you only have so many things that you can do in an off season and get better at. So for me, it also just feels a little far fetched to get to a point where he is hitting those jumpers consistently from where he's at right now in a year, at least, I mean, definitely work on it, keep progressing. And I'm sure he's doing that, but it's not like he's um, 75% foul shooter that is just not translating to the game. He definitely has touch. He definitely has a nice shooting stroke, but it would be him going from never attempting it to, you know, like it becoming a part of his game, which would so seem a little far fetched. It's happened at times, but I feel like he needs to improve in other areas before we get to that point, at least. Yeah. By the way, that's another area Jesse could really improve on is his free throw shooting. He was a 60% free throw shooter this season. So we've seen Syracuse bigs get better at free throw shooting too. I think of the past couple, Marek Dolajai was a guy you never want to go into the line for a one and one. And all of a sudden, he became a guy that you, if, if there was a technical foul and you got to pick the guy that got to go shoot it, you would want to pick Marek. Pascal Chukwu was a guy who got much better at free throw shooting as well during the course of his Syracuse career. But I, I think, too, with Jesse and the, the pairing him with Frank out there on the floor, I think a big reason why Syracuse fans were clamoring for that was because defensively it would make this team better. You'd have more length out there. You'd have some shot blocking to go along with that. You just have better defenders out there on the floor and it would take some of the stress off of Jesse from getting corner to corner as well. I don't think you're going to have that same type of problem next year, just because I think the athletes that you're going to have on this team for next season are going to alleviate some of the defensive woes. The only reason you're pulling Jesse and Frank out there together is to maximize on defense. And I think just naturally with some of the players that you're going to have on the roster next year you're and that are going to be seeing significant minutes, they're just going to be better defensively where people aren't going to be asking for a, a Jesse and Frank lineup next season. Yeah, I agree with that. The other thing is that I don't think people consider enough when we talk about this, you would be asking Frank then to learn another role in the zone. And I would argue the forward position has maybe the most intricacies to the zone of any position, just in terms of when do you bump? When do you go up? When do you drop mm -hmm. down? And like, I think Frank has developed, but also it feels sort of wrong to take him away from center being his sole priority when he and has he's another fully. late bloomer too, yeah. a guy who hasn't played basketball and you want to throw all this stuff at him. He hasn't seen a lot of the things that maybe a Samir Torrance has. And that's why I'm confident in a Samir Torrance maybe yeah. bumping down to that back line because he's just played more basketball. He's seen more basketball. Yeah, we have seen more flexibility in guys dropping down, guys going up, and it's worked out pretty successfully with Buddy and Samir. And I'm not saying Frank couldn't do it, but just given where Frank's at in his development at the center position, would it really have been the best thing this year to say, all right, Frank, we think you're about 80% there center-wise. We're going to take you to forward and, and make you learn this on top of trying to learn the center position. And then when he's out there, he's playing. It's just, I think it would have been a little bit too much. And on top of that, as we've said a lot, I don't think it made a whole lot of sense offensively and just really wouldn't have improved the team as much as people thought, but that's just me. I see why people are wanting it. Also, do we know that Frank Anselm at the forward position would have been 
with the forward position new to him that much better defensively than some of the other options that have been playing the forward position longer. Real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Where does Jesse Edwards fit in on an NCAA tournament team? Can he be the leading scorer? Does he have to just be a guy who maybe takes a step back scoring-wise for, for next season? Do you need to rely on him for all that stuff? Where does Jesse Edwards, in your eyes, fit in as an NCAA tournament-caliber team? You know, the more we've talked here, I think his offense is really fine, and that's not so much of my concern next year. It is, okay, if Syracuse is going to get back to the NCAA tournament, that means they're going to do it by improving their defense. And Jesse has to have more of a toughness and an edge in order for that defense to improve because the anchor position is so important. So he, in a way, is like not an X factor next year because he's, probably the most known commodity we like you said we yeah. know what his role is going to be we know what he's going to do he's probably going to put up similar numbers x y and z but also he's an x factor because i don't really think they improve too much on defense unless he improves his mindset and not that he was a bad defender but if he can take another step defensively in terms of playing with a toughness and physicality then that could get them back to the dna that makes the great syracuse teams I look at his numbers for next season. If I was making a projection, I wouldn't guess that any of his major, like his his rebounding or his his point totals for next season, I don't think it's going to fluctuate no, much more than one than yeah. one point two either way, north or south. I, I could see it going either way. I don't think it's going to change much, and I don't think it needs to change much either. Jesse wasn't the problem on this team. It was some of the surrounding pieces around him that really hurt what this Syracuse team ultimately wanted to accomplish this season. Jesse, as we have talked about time and time again this year, was one of the lone bright spots on this team. And especially from a developmental standpoint, one of the few spots that you can point to and say, boom, that was a success from a down Syracuse season. So I don't think Jesse needs to improve a whole heck of a lot for this to be a tournament team. I think the surrounding personnel is more of the issue heading into next year. Yeah, I don't see his numbers jumping that much. They've always he's not been... going to become a Big Ten center where he's going to be averaging no. eighteen and ten or eighteen and eight. He doesn't need to either, right? And I think he's going to improve as a player. But to get to all ACC level, you probably need the stats to be showing more improvement than maybe he will get next season. It's just not real. I know they had Raheem Christmas one year and they ran a lot of offense through him, but. Outside of that, I feel like Syracuse has been pretty guard-driven offensively, so I don't see them deviating too much from that next season. I think he could be all ACC next season. Again, he'll have to take some leaps, but and it may not become a statistical leap per se, but just his presence has to be better known, and Syracuse probably has to be a yeah, top team. five yeah. team in the ACC if he wants to be considered for that all ACC. But I think he's certainly the caliber of player that could be an all ACC, especially when you think about the block numbers for him. That's something we didn't really even hit on today, but he averaged almost three blocks a game. Yeah. I mean, th those were absurd numbers and the leaps that he took in that regard. I mean, you think back to that first Miami game where he had seven blocks in that game. I mean, he was a presence in pretty much every single game. He had a block in every single game this season. So he was certainly uh, an absolute menace on the interior. By the way, I do want to correct one thing that I said early on. I, I mentioned how, he had been in double digits all but three games. I meant to say he had been eight or more points in all but three games this okay. season. So yeah. I'll, I'll go Tony Reale and where did we mess up in this show? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is where I messed up off the top. But that is going to do it for us on today's exit interview on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow, 
it's a big question mark with this player that we're going to get into. Cole Swider, is he going to be back? Is he not going to be back? What can we expect out of Cole Swider if he is back? What's his Syracuse legacy if he's not? We're going to break all that stuff down, including the hot stretch that he had to close out his uh, 2022 season with the Orange. So we will do that on tomorrow's show. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We're doing exit interviews all week with you, and we'll also keep you abreast of anything else that may pop up in the Syracuse stratosphere. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.